J.W. Megawake Show. 
I am your host, the Candyman. And today, you're in for a special treat up in the UK. We got a outdoor comedy at 7 o'clock tonight. We have another open mic hosted by Clyde Always in the uh, Lower Hate. <sighs> yeah, got an exciting hour ahead of us. Um, we had uh, an artist by the name of Leah Dunn that came by um, a couple months ago did a set at Tiki Desk, and I was going to be playing that back at the end of this, uh, yeah, so we got Roxanna calling in at 420, and I was going to play you a song by Leah Dunn to start off the show, and this song is called Disneyland. sound effects on that one that's really fun uh so um we had t we had uh leah dunn come by last month and did a set at tiki desk gosh that was fun 
It was a really fun time. We have some other um, really exciting artists coming through, uh, Tiki Des, so tune in for that coming up. Um, we had somebody come up here and play a live set um, a couple weeks ago. It's the first time we had a band come in, you know, socially distanced in a while. And um, they couldn't get over the drummer and about how sexy they thought the drummer was of this band, uh, King Willow. And um, so they got a record out. I think I actually saw them at, before this whole lockdown on Cafe du Nord. That was a really fun show. Could see that in the near future. There's some of these um, venues like Milk Bar, and they're starting to open up a little bit. We did uh, some outdoor comedy there last week, um, which is pretty fun. And... Uh, yeah, so this is a um, King Willow, and this song I'm going to play is called Blue Valentine.
That is King Willow, Blue Valentine, live, mutinyradio.fm. I was the next artist I'm going to play before we have this uh, special UK treat uh, call in, and we're going to be talking about this new record that was just put out. There's an artist or um, in an open mic scene, her name is Lexi, Lexicon. And I remember we had a, there was a going away party for her back in February, I think. She was moving out to New York. I can't imagine what that was like. <laughs> uh, so this next artist I'm going to play is Lex, the Lexicon artist. And um, gosh, she's really entertaining, really fun. And then we are going to be taking that call, which I'm excited, a little jazzy tunes. And here is Lexicon. Pretend. If I could go back when Every day was like a game we could play 
coming up on 420 here. Got a special guest calling in. Couple minutes. Guess a little Dave Brubeck. Until then. Counting down the minute. Roxana? Hi, Genevieve. Yes. How are you? I am good. Welcome to the JW Megawake Show. <laughs> Got some Dave Brubeck in the background. Little light yeah, tunes. Right. Happy 420 to everyone out there. I'm here with uh, Roxana Rawson. Um, yeah. You've got, a lot, you've, you've got a lot of work out there. <laughs> a lot of work? Yeah. I'm looking at this. It's quite of a quite a portfolio here. Oh, me personally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know um, this uh, this new record um, looks like you. Gosh, this was last updated. Was it August twenty third? The quenching the, uh, the kill. Mm-hmm. It sounds um, sounds like there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah, it's um, it came about from probably two or three years of therapy, <laughs> and uh, as I was saying before, I I tend to use music to negotiate with the things that happen in my life, and um, and this album and project. I feel like a lot of people out there, a lot of folks, could relate to that. Other fellow mm-hmm. artists and. You know, yeah. musicians also, you know, chefs, I've seen this, <laughs> but um, yeah, I t- bet. taking kind of life and making lemonade with it in some sort of way mm-hmm. seems, uh, I don't know, seems to be an, a good way to go about it. Yeah. yeah, it seems like all of creation, everything that we can produce and create and put out into the world that we can draw, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to, but it's a way to create draw on our own life experiences and um, the good thing about making art is that if you're if you're expressing something you've gone through through one of 
the mediums in art, then it transmutes it into a different energy anyway just by doing that. And then um, there's something celebratory about making something to describe what you're going through, I feel like. Um, does that resonate with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, yeah. in every way. I um, I feel like it's a, a therapeutic thing for me to, you know, to create art in music is my, you know, platform. But, I mean, everything that I'm going through, it's like I almost unconsciously, like I'm thinking about it and I'm soaking in my life and I'm writing all this and I'm kind of absorbing everything around me. And then when the song's written, I'm like, oh, wow. And like <laughs> it makes sense. I don't know. But it, yeah. Sometimes, it, yeah, it even makes sense of things by processing it through the process of making a song or whatever. Yeah. A yeah. really um, inspire. I mean, I feel like the thing is, it's like with music, it's it's almost subliminal. You know, you could you could be listening to a song and line at a for an essential grocery shop, and it's there. You know, and it's just mm -hmm. you're unconsciously almost being inspired by the the music surrounding you. But um, yeah, I listened to this record i absolutely love it i know this um song called god's got bones mm -hmm. that's such a i mean you're really good with the the with the uh the naming of the songs too <laughs> it's like it's all it's very well it's like a formula it's like a scientific like thing <laughs> it wasn't that conscious um usually when i write things just <laughs> come out the way they do. I actually, when I try and do things more with more intentionality, um, I'm less pleased with the results. When I just kind of let my mind be free-flowing and do what it wants to do, then it feels, it feels authentic and like I don't have to really, um, what's the word? There's no reason for me to have to negotiate with it or anything. <laughs> it's just there. No, it makes perfect sense. I don't know. For me, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I don't know. Like when I come up, when I come up name for a song, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's um, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but sometimes it's just it feels. It's like the song, the name of the song. It just you just feel it, you know. Um, yeah. I feel like you know, the, for example, uh, Led Zeppelin's Black Dog song. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you you obviously probably heard that song, so. That song is not about a black dog. That song is about when they're in the <laughs> recording studio, there was a black dog in the recording studio when they recorded it. And I, I don't know, there's something that's neat about it, I think, with the name of a song that if it doesn't really, you got to kind of think about it. It's like, oh, why was it named that? Or I kind of mm -hmm. like the mystery, you know? Yeah, that can be an interesting <laughs> way into a song yeah sure. well, yeah um so i wanted to give every all the, the listeners uh, a listen in on this song it's called god's got bones and i was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit about it after the the song but i wanted them to hear you sure. yeah all right so this is uh roxana rawson here on a oh, mutiny radio awesome. uh, we got her on the line and we're about to play a song right off her record quenching the kill and this song is called god's got bones
Roxana. Hi. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, so would, I was able to play it for my uh, my phone, but I, would, I can't. Yeah, I played it for my phone. I can hear you much clearly all of a sudden. I was finding it quite hard to hear you before. Yeah. Hold on a second here. Yeah. Error has occurred. Okay. We're just going to go. There it goes. Golden Heart. Roxana. Hi. Gosh, yeah, that's a great song. I am so fortunate to be able to see, have seen you play live, too. Um, yeah, so that heart, that uh, song, Golden Heart, uh, I remember you, you uh, I read the description on it, and it was like, gosh, it was just like reading a tarot card or something. When you're reading the song, and you, you, yeah, there's like a lot of depth to it. Mm. Where did I read that? Golden Heart. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I like it, we were talking about it's like it's almost subliminal, but yeah. um, I'm reading the uh, the meaning and kind of what it meant to you and when you wrote that song or kind of the the detail when you your songwriting process and it's so peaceful. Yeah. It's just really mellow to the the ears and the soul. I feel like, mm. yeah. So I don't know. I was just mm -hmm. curious. 
you know, when you've written this song in Golden Heart, I know that you'd sent me the description, um, the death and rebirth. Um, mm-hmm. It's so peaceful. I mean, you're playing, are you, you're playing the, you're playing, what instrument are you playing in this? I'm playing pizzicato violin. Yeah. And, um, and I'm playing with, I think it's a guitar and a double bass. I had a trio, um, like a string trio that I played with in England, and we often did kind of um, intimate sets like that. And um, yeah, this was one of them. I feel like the other players that I play with really helped to fill out the texture of the song. They were all such intuitive musicians, and um, they really helped me make this song into something that gelled together. I was really pleased with my playing. <laughs> lucky, very lucky to play with them. Yeah, it's well recorded um, too. I um, I feel like I'm in a big room. I feel, I mean, it just feels so it real. Was in and a big room. <laughs> yeah, everything was live. We recorded the entire album live. Um, Did you record it in the Bay Area? No, this was back in London. Oh wow, London. Yeah. Um, and it, I've tried to do that since, but it hasn't quite worked out. But um, playing, performing live together so often helped us to really make our set really tight and by the time we got into the studio it was just it was fine um and they're very good musicians and in terms of their intonation and timing and everything and um very fortunate because not all performing musicians can be studio musicians and vice versa it sometimes doesn't work out that way but um yeah it was recorded with a man named ben landon who's produced for um a number of jazz artists and he uses a lot of analog gear and the studio itself was in an old warehouse that was converted and so it was about two stories high and it wasn't a big room and it was all live and it was a wonderful experience really lovely yeah can imagine yeah so recording that and yeah i mean that yeah it's pretty uh it's it's well done i listened to the whole record and the whole time I was just like it was therapeutic to listen to this um, and so when you recorded this in the UK I don't know I just I kind of want to hear about your journey from mm-hmm. the UK to the States and how that all happened mm-hmm. okay um, well <laughs> while I was making this album I was falling ill with Lyme disease um, I was Pretty much, so about 2011, I was recording this. I didn't release it until a couple of years ago uh, because I just wasn't well enough to deal with any of it. And um, yeah, it was just um, my health was failing at that time. And the recording itself worked out well, but um, I wasn't doing well physically. And my partner at the time got a job in the Bay Area that paid twice the amount that he was earning in London. And so we moved to the States in about 2012, 2013. So I've been here ever since because of that. It's quite a journey. Um, yeah. I know it is. I, I find that is 
interesting too um last week i was talking to someone in the, the subject of the song called don't fear the reaper by blue oyster colt the guy that had written the song was mm-hmm. battling or he had some uh a regular heartbeat so he felt like mm-hmm. he thought he was gonna die and so the whole thing and when he had written that song was kind of his way of dealing with the fact that he might you know die young and i just i yeah. find that a lot of in art you could really see that in the in the art um too and it inspires the the art um so did you land in california yeah right in the bay area so right from uk you just landed in sfo or oakland and yeah um i spent most of the time that i've been here about six or seven years in the south bay and all of that time i was in bed um fighting lyme disease and then i got my I finally found a doctor about a year and a half ago, about two years now, and he put me on IV antibiotics, and then I got my remission results about 18 months ago. So um, that's been my journey. <laughs> yeah. So the um, with the the whole you know with the, with Lyme disease, and so I mean you had been playing music before that. Yeah, I've been playing music since I was six or seven, and have been doing that all the way through. Um, but when I was in bed with the Lyme, I didn't manage to write that much, and I did write some. I have about two albums that I'm sitting on right now because of <laughs> <laughs> because of being unwell. I I did write and accrue some songs over that time, but um, I wasn't as active as I was when I was well. So, yeah, that's kind of in the in my plans for the next year to try and finish those records. Yeah. Especially and I, I doubt we'll be as turbulent as this record. And I, I was actually surprised when you said, oh, it was nice and relaxing to listen to because when my producer and I finished listening to the mix for the first time, we were like, whew, that is an intense record. <laughs> yeah, so you know what's interesting? It's funny, too, because me, myself, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter as well. I'm sure many people listening in is that, mm-hmm. you know, for me, and I think maybe the style, so the feeling of the song instrumentally and your voice and everything that goes along with that and how it sounds, it sounds relaxing. But I feel like, what? you know, when you, to me at least, but I also think that, you know, not two, same, two people hear the same thing. But um, for me, I, I feel like, you know, I'm writing these lyrics and I'm saying all this stuff and that maybe when somebody's listening to it, it doesn't always necessarily like the lyrics are the first thing that popped, you know, into their head potentially. And, mm. and maybe it's for, for me and maybe the style of music that I write, maybe it's more based off of energy and people aren't really mm-hmm. thinking about what you're saying, but your voice is really melodic and you kind of have your own voice. I never heard anything. I never heard a voice like that. And uh, with the stand-up bass and kind of the other instruments, mm. that's why I felt like, and when you'd sent me kind of the descriptions of the songs, why it just really got me, because I was like, wow, this is like, this is really deep, you know? Well, I guess, yeah, that's really interesting that um, it's come across that way. Um, I guess the instrumentation is calmer compared to like a lot of the more electronic-based production that's out there. So I can see 
why that would be the case for me to listen to. Um, I just, I guess when I think about the songs and the intensity of them, um, and my producer was feeling like this as well, we were just a bit like, oh, God, <laughs> we need a break from this <laughs> at the end because it felt intense. But, um, yeah, I'm glad it, it, it can be calming because um, I would like people to be able to enjoy the record. I've actually been kind of worried about it being not so enjoyable because of the intensity of it. So um, that's really good to know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, there's a really nice contrast. And I feel like, just for example, I don't know, for me, there was something so, like, we were talking about One Hit Wonders the other day and Daniel Powder. And Daniel Powder? Yes. I don't know. I think he's American. But he has this song called Had a Bad Day. Okay. And it's a happy song about a bad day. So the, the chords in the song are like, it's like a C major chord. It's like these chords that would normally, like, they're happy. So they make you feel happy. Mm. But then it's a song about a bad day. So it's like the, the contrast between the, the music being happy and uplifting and the song being about a bad day is like this really cool contrast where I feel like maybe not the same thing with uh, Quenching the Kill, but similar, at least for me, because the instruments and what you're playing on the record are really just soothing, like mm. to listen to and your voice, and then to look and then to see that it's about something really deep um, later on. It's... I don't know. I think it's I think it's really cool. It's not obvious. I feel feel like at first at least. Um, hmm. but yeah, so I was well, uh, I'm glad it comes across that way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean like I said I was fortunate to see you actually play live too. That was pretty hmm. awesome. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, because uh, I want the listeners to hear another uh, song off the record. And hmm. so I'm looking for one um, that would be good and that yeah, you know what? YouTube is much better than... positive or dark? <laughs> oh, you know what is that? Do you want to go... Do, do you want to go... Do, hmm, I don't know. I'll be curious to anyone out there. I don't know. I feel like maybe positive. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. given, the, given the whole... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's How pop. about rounded sound then? That's quite right. a positive one. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to... Um, we're playing rounded sound. We got uh, Roxy Rawson on the air and this is her song off the record question to kill called grounded sound
That is such a fun song. <laughs> wow, I feel so... I mean, everyone listening out there is just like, gosh, I feel like that just brightened the whole universe. Pam loves it. She just walked in. She walked into the song. She's like, couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Thank goodness yeah, that right. yeah that right? someone like you exists. <laughs> wow. That so felt um, like like medication. Yeah. Was it medication? Yeah. <laughs> it felt like medication. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Was this recorded in the same studio that you did? It was. Everything was live in the same studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I always kind of want to take a flight out there just to record something there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really Sorry, professional. I, I can't hear you um, too easily right now, JW. What was that? I can't hear you super well right now. Oh, let me let me let me blast it. Hopefully, I'm not too loud. Is that better? Oh, yes, that's a lot better. Loud and clear. <laughs> oh, great, okay. Right over the radio waves. Yeah. Um, can I tell the story about the song? Yes, I would love, I mean, yeah, I would think everyone wants to hear it, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I used to go down to the West Country, so the Southwest in England, um, every summer to visit my grandmother and my cousin when I was at university. And um, we've had some family, a lot of family conflict and strife. Um, it's, it's quite. A, and um, my mother has pretty low self-esteem at that point. Um, and my cousin as well, because of the situation he was going through, he'd had to leave his familial home and was living with my grandfather. Um, on his father's side, um, my grandmother's on his mother's side. And um, so every summer it was just this wonderful reunion of family members who did actually love each other, and we had a great time. And it was more than just a great time, it was incredibly healing because we had conflicts with the rest of the family somehow <laughs> that were just so in, intransigent and just impossible to change for the time being at that time anyway and um yeah there were times when my parents would order me to come home and I wasn't allowed to see my grandmother and it was just it was a lot of drama um but the times when I defined them and did say it was so lovely and um there was so much love between us and um I remember feeling so elated by the love that we shared and the happiness and I wrote this song on the train on the way back from one of those trips and um, the rounded sound felt like it's like a, a metaphor for the connection between all of us, the love that we shared. Um, we just like created a love bubble and a love <laughs> circle yeah. while we were together and um, I loved seeing them feel good and feel loved and happy to and free to express themselves and there was so much joy um and the rhythm of the song comes from the train i could um so oh wow that's so cool that makes sense it's so fun to get in the head of the the artist you sound like a i mean like a philosopher philosopher yeah, you sound like a philosopher. 
I have studied some philosophy. I've done lots of psychology. Maybe that's why I think about things quite deeply. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I uh, at one point was looking into being a music therapist. Music therapist? Did you yeah. Think? Oh, it's so wonderful. I did almost a year of music therapy a year ago. It was so lovely. I highly recommend it. Have you done that as well? Been, like being on the receiving end? Yeah, so you know what is that? At one point, I was actually, um, I was sitting in on these music therapy sessions because I was looking into getting a degree. And it was something that I really enjoyed a lot. But it just, um, financially and living in the Bay Area and being a music therapist is pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Uh but it was, it's such a great thing. I mean, you, you take, I know maybe you studied a little bit of philosophy, maybe people out there listening is, you know, you have the immaterial world and you have the material world and music somewhere lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's so mysterious in that way. Yeah, because it makes you, it's like you move and you, you dance to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and music and, the history of music and music evolution and depending on when you were born or raised and those those songs and that music becomes somewhat engraved or not engraved or part of your life. You hear that yeah. song and you, it reminds you of that time. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it's really really great. I think I might consider being a music therapist when I retire but in your case in my opinion I mean to listen to this for me and for the listeners out there I don't know when I listen to this I just it's really relaxing you know this one was a little bit more upbeat too it was yeah got more rhythm when I played live when I played this live this song live in the Bay Area I had a, a drummer who would really <laughs> give it a lot of energy <laughs> These songs were transformed when they had different drums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good drummers. All the good drummers out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult sometimes to know which way to take songs, um, what they call for, what they're asking for. And, um, I feel like within this album, I was able, with the producer that I had, that we were able to capture something about the songs, like what the songs were asking for. They didn't want to have like big pop drum drums underneath or something. They, the way that we arranged them, felt appropriate for what we were trying to express. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the drummer. Someone said this: the drummer's the headlights of the the song. And I'm using uh, you again, JW. <laughs> so I at one point someone had told me that the drums are like the headlights of the song. And I was also thinking, I was like, I guess it really just depends. It depends on the drummer and the percussion style of, of drumming that, mm -hmm. that makes it the genre that it is. Like you could play, I don't know. I mean, you could play a high energy rock and roll and play it over a techno drum beat and then it's like what is that is that ambient i don't know it's like <laughs> i feel like rock and roll someone had said it's rock and roll's 
you know, it's got to be plugged in. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, with a techno bead, I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that makes that. But in general, I, what would you say your biggest influences are? Um, probably um, Fiona Apple, Diana Newsom, and Mozart. <laughs> Mozart, yes. <laughs> Mozart. Yeah, a lot of so. Mozart, I love playing on piano. I can't train on piano anymore as much as I would like because of my tendonitis, but that's how I started off playing music, and Mozart was one of my favourite composers. And what I love about him is the the proportion and balance, but also he has like very functional harmony is very strong. His cadences are very complete. He uses bass notes very often. Um, and I feel like I copy that in my songs. Like, there's a lot of um, clear chordal progressions and resolutions that I'm looking for. I'm always trying to resolve um, and looking for the harmony to make sense to me. Um, I'm usually not doing anything too outlandish either in the chord progressions that I have, um, for good or bad. <laughs> But that's just how the music comes out, I think, because of my classical background. Um, because I'm used to wanting things to resolve. or I mean, they, Things do suspend, but in a way that I want them to. Like in the Golden Heart song, um, I think there are some... When I'm in G minor, I'm using ninth, cycling round. Um, and then I have these sections where I change tempo and change key. But I go to a relative, a key that's relative, or um, I go up to F and then C. Yeah, I go up to C and then I transition F to C. But I resolve that section with a, a perfect cadence before I move into the next section. So in that way, I still feel a bit Mozartian, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, yeah, but that song, um, I wanted it to feel final in some places, like, because it's about death in the end, and um, I wrote that song after a friend of mine died, or two friends, one of them died very quickly from, um, I think it was colon cancer or liver cancer, she died within the space of two weeks, and then another friend of a friend died very suddenly from a brain hemorrhage, and, um, and it just got me thinking a lot about how close death was, and um, I've always thought about death within life anyway. And um, so there, are, I wanted, yeah, I wanted the, the cadences to feel final, but also for it to feel a bit dreamy and like half, half here, or, or half um, grounded and half not, because I feel like the veil between life and death is very thin and. I wanted that feeling to be in the verses, um, that kind of sense of woosiness, am I on this side or am I on the other side, and um, and then there's that moment in the middle where it goes to F major, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
just kind of a gleeful moment about enjoying being here and the um, very tethered moments, um, like the sunlight on your face. Just moments like that, how they they really anchor you in this realm, and you can't imagine wanting to leave. But I believe we will eventually. <laughs> yeah, you're being able to capture those moments, those beautiful moments in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that song "Heart as Gold," "Heart as Gold as Time." It felt like um. There's something about, I wanted to honor the dignity of my friends, their lives, and um, really all all of us matter, and our lives matter, even if we're not here anymore. The fact that they lived meant a lot to me. Yeah, and we're talking about her right now. Yeah. She's out, I don't know, she's like in the sound wave somewhere, while the sun is shining on the face of somebody. Playing a violin. Today. <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful day. Yeah, we uh, were at Washington beautiful. Square Park earlier uh, for an outdoor oh, nice. um, comedy show. That was really fun. It was a beautiful day. I remember thinking exactly what you just said and how you described it. That's what today felt like. I was just thinking, it's so nice out. This is, mm-hmm. I feel like it was so nice. I felt like I was on hallucinogens or something. It was just, <laughs> I think because, I mean, Everything that's going on. I mean, the, the you can see the blue sky. It was um, pretty peaceful. Yeah. I mean, there are moments in life where I just think, oh, I can't get better than this. <laughs> and there are moments that are not like that. But <laughs> when it's like that, you just... Yeah, it's very... The gratitude for being here can be really intense. art I mean art is so fun art is just it sticks around forever you know these people 400 years ago that were writing music or painting pictures that right isn't that amazing about oh I've been thinking about that this summer um do you know the poem Ode to a Grecian Urn by Keats no, I can't think of I can't think of it right now well it um the poet is talking about um, these moments that are frozen in time on this group man. They're like um, describing things that are happening in between in normal life and like Greek gods running after each other and <laughs> like all sorts of shenanigans happening, um, but they're frozen in time. They can't um, be doing anything else than they're doing. And he was imagining he was thinking about the fact that the the beauty on this urn would always be fixed in time um, until it gets destroyed, but it's the power of art is it freezes in time that which is desirable, and in that way we're not ex- we're experiencing a time fr- like a frozen time, or from his perspective it was like a taste of what inf- infinity feels like because. Um, if you have linear time, then what's desirable can leave and what's undesirable can happen and you can't like hold and freeze in time something wholly desirable and um and that's what he was trying to convey in the poem. And I've been thinking about that a lot in 
um, the value of art and how you can kind of, through art, commune with something that's beyond what we have to deal with generally in space-time, <laughs> like things, challenges, difficulties. There's something about beauty and beauty being frozen in time that can, I don't know, help, help us connect with something beyond this realm or something. That's what it feels like to me anyway. I'm sure secular people out there will not agree. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I had a. I'm leaving you again, JW. Yeah. So, what it, what it, uh, art in general, but uh, we had actually, I had a great uncle. It sounds so dark, right? But it all becomes art. <laughs> but um, he was a somebody who had a really bad drinking problem, mm. and uh, he decided he wanted to kill somebody. So when he killed oh. this guy. And he just had a really bad drinking problem. He, yeah, shot this guy's head off at a bar and spent his whole life in prison where he became an artist and a painter. And he painted thousands and thousands of pictures. And I remember being a kid and he had died before I was, you know, around. But to see those pictures and how beautiful it was. I feel like similar with any kind of art because art lives on. Mm. It's hard to imagine, you know, that somebody that painted that picture lived maybe kind of a, I want to say dark life because a dark life has a negative thing, but lived in, you know, interesting life. There's a story behind it, you know? Maybe he learned a lot from it. I mean, when you've done something like that, I woke up from a dream the other day thinking that I'd killed somebody. <laughs> that was so horrible. Everyone's had and that. I, yeah. I was so relieved <laughs> I hadn't killed anyone when I woke up. But the horror of, like, when you, if you're somebody with a conscience that either that is present or wakes up later on in your life, the amount of sorrow and horror that you would feel about yourself for having done that kind of thing, I just can't imagine it would. The weight would be so heavy, and um, maybe he was processing it. And I mean, if he was depicting beauty, and I can't imagine he would have not processed that to some degree. Yeah. Like reckoned with himself or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's an amazing story, JW. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, with art and like this record that you just, you know, that you have out on YouTube, this Quenching the Kill, um, I mean, it's just kind of, it's just timeless. Like you're saying, it's like this timeless kind of thing, like a frozen in time where it's, you capture that moment and it's just there until existence, you know, the end of existence or whatever that is. But my uh, producer was trying to help console me <laughs> about the um some of the tracks and the mixes because I wasn't able to be there for all of the mixes because my health was starting to deteriorate. And um he and uh, there were some parts that I was like, Oh, I wish I'd been able to do that again, you know, like when you get to an end the end of a record you just there are these little tweaks that you wish you could have made. And he said to me something that was so helpful. 
said Rook, this is, you've, you've taken a snapshot of ex expression in time, and it is what it is, and it's valuable, just as it is, it doesn't have to be perfect, it just is, <laughs> which I thought was really nice. Yeah, I know that feeling too, and I've had a lot of people on the show. It's like they do a you know a take, and then they you know they didn't record it, and then they record it like oh no, like our live take was better, and just kind of like, mm. well for me as the listener, I'm like, it sounded good. It sounded basically it sounded exactly like the other track did. I don't know. I think in general that's what it is. It's like a artist block not a block but an artist thing where it's You're like also oh. our own harsh, 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 harshest critics anyway yeah it's like it could always be better no matter what so that's what I've kind of accepted for myself I'm like hey I'm not getting any younger and I know that <laughs> you know music and creating art is something that I enjoy and it's a form of entertainment and that's how I'm able to get to get past it you know I um because no matter what it's like it always be better. For me as yeah, the listener though, I don't know. I don't think I don't know. I mean it sounds great. Um so I have this um this song Iron Shoes mm. that I was going to uh play um okay. And then um and then yeah. And then um, we'll talk about where actually where can we find you? Where's the best place to find um, you? YouTube? I'm on Spotify, YouTube, and Bandcamp. Bandcamp is always good because the money goes to the artist. Um, what else? I have a website, um, Instagram, but for music directly, then probably Bandcamp. Wow. So you're everywhere. Roxana <laughs> Rawson. Roxy's awesome. Roxy. Roxy's a lot easier to remember. Roxy. Uh -huh. Roxy Rawson. Okay, so yeah, so we're going to play this and then we'll, um, we'll come back on. Okay. All right. We got Iron Shoes. Roxy Rawson here at MediaRadio.fm.
Roxy. Yeah. It's so awesome having you on the show. That was a beautiful song. Thank you. Wow. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It really wasn't an honor having you on the show. I know you got a you know, a lot going on this weekend, but yeah. I'm gonna great. I'm gonna be listening to this record. I really do I really like this record a lot. Thank you. Yeah. So um yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and yeah, make sure everyone knows where to find you um, on my Instagram as well. Thank you so much for calling in, and um, maybe I'll see you this weekend. Yeah, that would be nice if we can make it happen. Yeah. And if it doesn't, let's really stay in touch. I have enjoyed talking to you very much. Yeah, you as well. Artist to artist here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Over the sound waves. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, hey, um, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. You too. Take right. care. Wow. Roxy Rawson. UK Treat. We are winding down to the end of the show, and we are going to be playing a Tiki Desk concert, which I'm excited to uh, to play for everyone here. This is a uh, Leah Dunn. Yeah, just graduated in the height of this pandemic, if you can imagine that. So we're going to play this Tiki Desk concert back. And here we are. Leah Dunn live Tiki Desk Concerts, Mini Radio FM. Top of a private room. My mom thinks you're selling drugs.
That one was called My Mom Thinks You're Selling Drugs. Um, any resemblances to persons dead or alive is fictional. Okay, um, yeah, my Venmo is at Leah Dun Dun and my PayPal is Leah at LeahDunDun.com if you wanted to donate. I'm donating half of everything I make in my live shows to Lava Bay. They provide hygiene services for unhoused people in the Bay Area. So, yeah, if you want to offer us money my way, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> if anyone has, like, requests, you can type them in, and my dad will maybe read them to me. My dad's running my Instagram live, so I don't know, <laughs> like, how, how good it's going to be. Or you can, are you on Insta Live, too? JW? Yeah. yeah. You can type them, type them into JW as well, and... He's probably a little better at that one than my dad. Um, and requests, I mean, from my album, and by I might play them if I'm in the right guitar setup for it. All right. Um, what should I do next? Let's do yellow t-shirt. for a sad friend.
If you're on the Instagram Live um, audience, this is Tiki Desk. Um, not unlike Tiny Desk, um, it's a Tiny Desk, except it's a Tiki Hut, so it's Tiki <laughs> Desk. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Um, once again, if you give me your money, I will give half of it to charity. To Lava May specifically, they provide mobile hygiene to people in the Bay Area, California. Um, and they've also been pioneering mobile hand washing stations for people who can't access, you know, public restrooms and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, helping to stop and slow the spread of COVID. Um, bad thing, not a fan. All right, this song is called Wetsuit. It's about my best friend and her family. Um, I actually finally just bought my own wetsuit. Uh, no, they bought it for me. I'm lying. It was a gift. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I got my own wetsuit, but before that I was using my friend's grandpa's wetsuit that he wasn't using anymore, so it was very big on me. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of about regular everyday life, I guess. I don't know. Uh, to support teeny tiny artists like myself and others follow me on spotify because it, it's leah dunn l-e-a-h-d-u-n-n i'm looking at you katrina follow me on spotify do it right now um <laughs> you're the only one here that probably doesn't already follow me we do are any of them saying anything yeah they said Um, for you to read, Dad. Okay, uh, thank you. Hi, Julia. Have you? Okay. Okay. Um, what should I play next? Thank you. Um, hi, Emma. What should I do? I think I'll do um, Justified. I'm gonna do it clean, no distortion, so if you're ready for that, I guess. <laughs> with the pavement 
gonna try and talk to the neighbors if anyone's listening. Okay, people around in the neighborhood. My name is Leah Dunn, L-E-A-H-D-U-N-N, and you should follow me on Spotify. Okay, I'll let you get back to your life. <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you do not take. I don't know who said that. Um, all right, yeah, so my Venmo is at Leah Dunn Dunn, just like my Instagram handle. If you haven't already, listen to my album. It's called Wetsuit by Leah Dunn, like my name. Um, what else to say? Follow me on Spotify. Um, Spotify is algorithmically driven, so that means that like if you're a tiny artist and you don't have a label like pushing your stuff, it relies entirely on the people who listen to your music to push and share your stuff. So if it sees that like your album is getting a lot of plays or like it's being added to a lot of different playlists then Spotify will maybe be like, oh, well maybe it's good and then I'll add it to other playlists. So if you've ever seen something that's like really good on Spotify and then it's not big, it's probably because, you know, no one's pushing it for them. So yeah, I need you guys to help me if you believe in me, 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 me. Uh, music is so narcissistic, I mean, there's no way around it. Alright, this song is called Bath. It's about cleansing your soul, self-reflection, and murder. Kidding, it's not quite there. Not quite ready. The burger isn't ready yet. Okay. Did anyone say anything in the chat, Dad? <laughs> Who? Miriam's here. Oh my god, you guys. Space Moth, Miriam Caduce produced um, the album. She's fantastic. And you should listen to Space Moth because it's really good. And it's one word, Space Moth. I thought it was two words, and then I learned it was one.